This is the Patriot Cause with Bud Cornwell, United States Marine Corps retired. This week on the Patriot Cause, I am bringing leaders and great patriots from Convention of States organization. It's a only way organization that we're going to be able to sustain our country and get a handle on our government. If you haven't visited conventionofstates.com, you need to do that following this podcast, of course, and after you share it. Hit the share button, send it out there, Facebook, Twitter, whatever you want to use. I don't care if you send it snail mail, fold the paper and throw it like an airplane. Just get it out there so the patriots can know that there are many like them that can help them to understand what's going on and get them off the couch so they can do something about our country. Without further ado, leave, follow, or get the hell out of the way. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it, we will not surrender for it now or ever. Welcome back, Patriots. Today is the second day of Convention of States Week on the Patriot Cause. Got a very special guest. This lady is unbelievably awesome. That's the only way I can say it. It's, it's, it's like a danger package. It's all packaged into this fire-breathing individual that is liberty-minded and understands what our country is and where we're going. And she is not going to stop. I'm telling you, she won't stop until we get back to being the American society that we were designed to be. Her name is Deanna Beckett, and she is part of the Convention of States leadership. She is part of our development team, which enhances our ability to reach out to donors, to reach out to major corporations, to reach out to people, to be able to actually help us grow this organization, not only from a financial perspective, but also from a liberty-minded in internal understanding that you got to do something. You don't do it now. You won't have the opportunity to do that. So without further ado, Deanna Beckett. Thanks for having me, Bud. It's exciting to be here and uh, a little nerve wracking too, but uh, we, we said we're going to roll with uh, what we're going to talk about. And, you know, I, I wanted to not redefine, but uh I like to explain what we do in development as this. I, I asked fellow patriots to partner with us financially in this fight, in this war. Uh, Mark Meckler's always talking about we're in a war, uh, good against bad. And uh, we're just asking fellow patriots to partner. Well, that's, you know, back, back in the day when we're talking about, you know, everybody kind of 
partnering and getting money and financial raising. We, we think about politics and how that things, you know, how that process works. But it also works on a patriot level. It also works where you can go outside of the government and you can have organizations that have the ability to have your, you know, finance your free speech, if, if that's the way we want to want to <laughs> say it. But there's millions of Americans out there that have earned lots of dollars in their life through this country. They know that and they understand it. And your department is key to helping us to represent them with our voices and their voices so that we can put massive pressure on this government and massive pressure on the political realm to establish a way of we the people can actually make a difference. This is this process is not new. It may be new for a lot of people in the technology world, you know, because you get all this social media and all these things, but politics has always been politics. And for instance, when the colonial army had to raise an army up and get arms and, and ammunition and all that, well, there wasn't a country to produce that to help them. So they made deals with other countries to, to help them to, to pr provide the quote, financial assistance to be able to arm their citizens. So this is kind of like the same thing. If, if, if you understand that. Exactly. I started out with a convention of states by being a volunteer and seven years on the ground with the grassroots, I know of giving my time. And now that I've shifted gears and come on board as staff, now I look at it in a different perspective. Like I said, you know, we're asking Patriots to partner with us financially. And we're talking to, um, like you said, uh, business owners and people who have made their wealth in this country and they uh, are tired of what they see just like we are but it is amazing to see the difference what we call it a whole nother level uh, these people have given thousands if not hundreds of thousands of dollars to political uh, contribution political campaigns and we're approaching them in that in that other realm. Yep. So they're not seeing the return on the value with a lot of the politicians. It doesn't matter which side that you're on. The swamp is the swamp. And unfortunately, there, there was a day that conservatives would think that the GOP was the good guy and the Democrats were the bad guys. Well, that's not how it is today. Today is they're all in the swamp together. And as conservatives and as patriots, it's very difficult for us to, to really kind of grab our fingers around the fact that that guy is a conservative. Doesn't matter what, what side they're on. So this is helping us as an organization to recognize that these donors, these people have the same feelings that we have with the country, but they're able to provide the assistance that are necessary for convention states to, to do the missions and the causes that, we, that we're doing. What I would like for you to do is give us more of a background of who you are. You know, who is Deanna Beckett? And you know, why did you come into convention of states? How did you become concerned 
to a certain point where this is the organization that you need to be part of? Certainly. I'm going to go back to the 1900s. <laughs> All that ancient <laughs> history now. Absolutely. And I, and I go back to the 1900s, specifically 1999. Of course, uh, before that, you know, went to college, got married. But in 1999, my son was born. And then 2001, my daughter was born. And about the time my son was three, I felt called to homeschool my kids. Mm -hmm. So I spent 24 hours, seven days a week with my kids, raising them. And uh, now they're 22 and 20, fully on their own and uh, contributing members to, of society. But seven years ago, I believe it was seven years ago, we were introduced to Convention of States. But backing that up a little bit as well, uh, a little bit of my background is, um, of course, I'm a homeschool mom, graduated both of my kids, and uh, I was involved in network marketing companies, and I got involved in self-development, and mm. I, hate call, I hate calling them self-help, but right. basically Great. creating a better you, and yes. so I spent a lot of time reading John Maxwell, Joyce Meyer. They're my three J's. My three J mentors are John Maxwell, Joyce Meyer, Joel Olstein, and Jesus. So I spent a lot of time in those particular books and redeveloping my mind. I uh, focused on renewing my mind. I was, I was angry mm. a lot from my past, a lot from my circumstances, and I, I spewed that anger out. And I think we're going to get to anger after a bit when we uh, get, uh, you know, for thoroughly <laughs> sure. the discussion. So I wanted to bring that up so that that background is, is set, that uh, foundation is set. And like I said, seven years ago, we got introduced to Convention of States. Mark Meckler actually came to Rapid City, South Dakota. That's where we're from. And an event was held with our then soon to be state leader or state director. And uh, we signed the petition. Uh, listened fervently, of course, and signed up to be a volunteer. And at about, I don't know, about nine months later, uh, we started that trek on becoming a district captain. And that just meant, and we were dual captains. So that just meant that we did events together. I did most of the um, computer items and, and uh, follow-up tool and things like that. But it was mostly getting the word out and every year, every season going to our state capitol and uh, lobbying for, I never thought I'd say I was a lobbyist, but uh, that's what we are. So lobbying our legislators and connecting with them. And what, what's really cool is in our district where we live currently, two of our legislators are homeschool parents. They're actually good nice. friends of ours. So it, it really is so important to develop that relationship. And of course, they, they were in, uh, in those positions far be before we got involved with Convention of States, but it was just nice to be able to come beside them, help them with their campaigns and uh, encourage them, be cheerleaders for them and wave signs for them. And that was just all, of, all part of that whole gamut. So then fast forward to today, let me step back again. Uh, seven years ago, you know, we had kids that were coming up as, as high schoolers, middle schoolers, high schoolers, and we knew something needed to change. And that's the reason we got involved. So again, now fast forward to today, they're graduated, grown and gone. And just a little background on how I got involved with being on staff. 
back in February of 2021, I got an email and it had listed a couple of positions that were open. And I, I said to my uh, regional director, I said, I'm going to throw my hat in the ring. I need a good reference. So that's what we did. <laughs> but it was interesting going back to, you know, renewing our mind, resetting our mind. Something that I focus on is uh, dreaming and setting goals and setting and speaking your goals out loud. And it was about February 2020 before chaos ensued. And I said to my husband, I just want to work from home again. I just want to work from home. But I knew my businesses weren't strong enough and stable enough to create the income that I needed. And I just kept saying that. And I kept saying that. And we worked through the summer. And then again, like I said, just this past February, threw my hat in the ring, interviewed. And here I am helping uh, create the funding that uh, supports Convention of States. And it's, it's exciting to see you know, all the different realms of what goes in to making this an amazing organization. So now that you, uh, so I guess we're looking at about six or seven months that you're actually part of the national team. And like myself, I was the state director for Arkansas and it took us six years to pass the convention of states in Arkansas. So we all went through a lot of pain of, you know, not being able to get this idea across the, to the legislators going, it is the only solution. It's really the only thing left other than absolutely splitting the country up and, and you know, fighting through whatever means. We're using the Constitution to save the Constitution. It's the best way I can explain it. So mm-hmm. when we finally did win the COS resolution and got passed to Arkansas. A couple months later, I also got called by staff uh, for a position to come up and do the technical services manager stuff. Now, when I was a state director and SIA and, you know, all the different positions that were within COS as a volunteer, I had trouble just kind of putting my finger around this whole organization a lot of times. It just seems like there was ups and downs and backwards and forwards. And it it didn't seem like I I had a connection with the national team. It was just many times I I felt discouraged that we're working so hard and it just doesn't seem like we're going anywhere. Once I joined a national team and I seen the caliber of the people that are here that are actually part of the leadership, it actually brought me up. It lifted me up. So what I'm asking is, do you see a difference in your attitude or difference in your, you know, gumption and esprit de corps and feelings of this is awesome compared to when you were in, uh, when you were with this, you know, the COS environment and as a volunteer? Sure. When I was on the ground with the grassroots and we'd always be talking to people at fairs and events. And, and of course, we weren't directly connected with national, like you said. However, I always knew, and I think it was just, you know, constantly listening to uh, recordings and Mark speaking, but I always knew we had a solid legal team behind us. Right. So that when legislators would pull, pull a card and they would basically 
want us to try to explain the legalese and how how the whole thing works. And I would encourage my team and I still encourage people that I call even today, you know, donors that are still grassroots volunteers. And I say, that is not our job. We have a legal team and all we have to say to our legislators or people who want to, you know, call us on the carpet when we're volunteers, we don't need to know that is we have a legal team and I'd be happy to, you know, send that information on or you can contact them directly. We've, it's, it's just like what we're doing with, you know, the whole thing with DC, we've got to push back. Right. And if people, if people are pushing us past our knowledge base that we are expected to know, we've just got to push back and say, I can get back to you on that. Yep. But I had a connection with, not a connection, but I knew we had that stable background. And of course that has grown. Uh, since you know we started, and and just thinking back when I first met you, but I remember you taking pictures at uh, Williamsburg, our first summit that we had, and uh, I can't remember were you on staff at that time or were you yeah, a grassroots person? Okay, yep, I was. All right. See, we had a connection after we all got together. So that's the thing. Absolutely. When you, when you show up, you go up. So you know, yep. come to the big events. So if people are contemplating uh, going to uh, different events attend then you see the bigger picture and uh your eyes are wide open so i think that helped too was going to the um the summit oh absolutely it's great that the this was 2019 when we were able to to do this and we were actually able to bring a lot of the leaders volunteer leaders to williamsburg virginia and it made a massive connection it changed my whole attitude about the whole organization. I no longer had this feeling that even when I was back, you know, in the States that, you know, people didn't care about us. You know, it was just kind of like, you know, just a nonprofit do whatever. And, but what I missed and what, what really was kind of interesting is during this summit, I was like, wow, what have I done? I'm part of national and I should be back in the, the grassroots because these guys are awesome. And th it's amazing how much, really, how much this organization depends on the grassroots and their energy and their leadership. And it's just amazing. We're just servants at the national level. That's really, we have functions that we do, but our job is to make sure that the grassroots can do what they do to the best of our abilities. And we can't hold a candle to, to, to what these people in the grassroots do. And I thank God every day that I have, I had the opportunity to come to national and kind of get a clearer mind of the whole organization. Now I have connections with the grassroots. I have connections with the national team and it's a, it's a, it's a bigger picture now in my mind than it was when I was just the grassroots. And now I'm even more enthusiastic about the grassroots compared to when I was in it. It's just like, it's great. That's where you need to be. That's where the action is. That's where you hold the events. That's where you get to speak your mind and be part of America and, and changing people's minds. Exactly. And it, it does amaze me still to see the amount of grassroots and how they're growing. We, of course, meet uh, every Monday morning as a, as a leadership te or a team for a uh, national team. And just hearing the reports and seeing the pictures and 
we're growing and we're expanding. And that's why, of course, the national team has had to grow and expand because we're getting bigger, we're getting louder. And I believe, I believe that we're going to get some kickback. And I can't remember who said it or, or how it's been said, but you know, the louder and bigger we get, the more opposition we're going to get because they don't like us and we're going to get that pushback. And so we must be doing something right because the, the enemy is kicking it and uh, wanting, Absolutely. To, wanting to take us down and we're not going to give up. Absolutely. That is the best indication that you're doing right is when mm-hmm. the enemy, the people that, you know, don't understand the freedoms and the liberties that they have thinking we're just a bunch of, you know, nutbags in the in back in the back country or whatever, but no, no, our grassroots is everywhere. We're in big cities. We're in the country. You know, I guarantee you there'd probably be millions of people in other countries that would love to join the COS. But of course the requirement is you got to be a U.S. citizen and basically you got to be in the United States to be part of, you know, this organization because we're fighting for our country. And speaking of that, you and I talked before this podcast, and I think it's interesting because I haven't met too many people that have been at this event. And the event (laughs) we're getting ready to talk about is January 6th of 2020. And and we all know (laughs) what that is. And if you listen to the media and the politicians, you know, God, it's, I mean, the civil war wasn't this bad for God's sakes. Right. <laughs> and you know, the all, there was only one or two bullets that I know of one that I know for sure that was even fired during that process. And an awesome Patriot lost her life, but <laughs> you can't, you can't compare this to, you know, the civil war, but this is how crazy these people are. I was there and along with you. So I think it's, it's a good uh, segue into the conversation because the same thing that went on in January 6th is the same thing that COS is doing as it relates to grassroots. People want their freedom. They don't want it taken from them. Unbeknownst to many people, some say, well, you had about 200,000. Oh, no, no. There was anywhere between one and a half million people there. It was very large. And the whole time I was there, just to kind of give you a a synopsis, I was there with uh, Randy Alexander and Jackie Martin from Arkansas, the state director in the LL for Arkansas. And they stopped by my house here in Alabama. And then we drove up to DC and and went to the the rally. And it's kind of weird how it worked out. We were actually going to go to the Capitol, walk to the Capitol and peaceful like everybody else. But Jackie had an issue with her ankles or ankle swole up. So instead of going to the Capitol, we veered off and went back to the train station. But that's when all that stuff was going on. Mm-hmm. You know, you heard the you hear the flashbangs and, you know, people screaming and hollering. So it was happening right in front of my eyes. I can see it. I was just not, you know, involved in it. And and, it, you know, and to me, it was unfortunate. But here's how I look at this. It is people that feel their liberty is being taken from them, that their voice is being taken from them. And unfortunately, there's a very small number of that one and a half million people that felt that violence or taking over the capital was the way to do that. And that's unfortunate. But 
the majority, the vast majority of these people were just like us. We're, we're here. We got our flags. We got our signs. We got our protest, you know, to the government. And we're just, we want somebody to listen to us. And that's really what it was all about. So I want to segue over to that with you and, and cause you were there also, and I think your husband with, with, was with you. So give us a, a synopsis of how you thought about that uh, event. Sure. We came in a day and a half early. So we got the opportunity to go to the pre-rally the day before. And uh, I videoed, I was actually to do, able to do Facebook lives that day. And everybody was like, isn't the rally tomorrow? Isn't the rally tomorrow? And I said, yes, this is the pre-party. And there were probably, probably 50,000, 80,000 people in that area for the pre-party. And it was just great. I mean, there was worship going on. There was uh, pastors praying. It was uh, just, you know, uplifting. And then the day of, we uh, came back, of course, on the train and uh, stood in a massive crowd. And I, like you, when it came time to move over to the Capitol, uh, my legs were just frozen solid. It was so cold. <laughs> it was cold, yeah. And of course, you know, I'm from the Midwest. We don't like gatherings that big. So we let the massive crowd kind of take off and we took our own pace and, and, and stayed behind and uh, slowly got over to the Capitol. And we were across the street and, and saw it from uh, just from across the street. But we could not broadcast on Facebook Live. We, our phones mm -hmm. were completely done oh, down. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, we couldn't broadcast anything. So I just did video and then I uploaded it as we were walking to the Capitol. And people ask, I actually, people ask what, uh, you know, how was it and what was it like? And I said, it was peaceful and patriotic. It was amazing. We all stood and cheered and, you know, the, the flags that were flown. And, you know, the one thing, you, you know, you said, you know, many uh, Americans came together uh, to protest and, you know, to let our voices be heard. But what, what really amazed me being in that kind of crowd, because we come locally and do our thing in our own state capitals and our own, you know, towns. And it's, it's us, it's, it's just our regular everyday, everyday uh, neighbors. But when we went to DC, I was surprised to see the, uh, the Chinese for Trump, the Vietnamese for Trump, Trump. Um, I mean, red, yellow, black, and white. I mean, there were colors and flavors and, you name it, you know, I think, Absolutely. I think, I think the media portrayed the bulk of the people, um, especially the ones that broke into the Capitol, which I don't think that's right either, but they, you know, portray it as a bunch of white supremacists and it was not so no, during the whole even, entire no. event. There no. was such a mix of people and from all over the nation and around the country, it was just mind blowing how many, uh, races and ethnicities were represented. And it, it, it really opened my mind at how global, um, you know, the movement was and um, how we all, you know, stood for what's right. And some of my posters, my posters were, um, we want truth. And, um, you know, I'm from the Black Hills. So I said Black Hills for Trump. But, um, you know, just a few other things that it was basically, we want what's right. Show us, show us the truth. And uh, of course, they're working on that right now, but <laughs> we'll see what comes about. Oh, yeah. But I just loved, and that's why I mentioned um, 
the anger issue that I had when I was younger or growing up, you know, into college. And when I, when we got done with January 6th and just saw the difference in what the media portrayed and what we saw and what we experienced. And then of course, as we, you know, finished out and wrapped up January, my anger level got even greater. And now I controlled my anger, like anger towards my circumstances, because that's, that's what we control. We control our uh, response to our circumstances. We can't control our circumstances, but I just could not figure out for the months afterwards, why I was so ticked off. I'm saying that in a nice phrase, Yes. but why I was so ticked off. And of course, you know, everything building and then, you know, coming on staff, we've got to stay in the know with what's going on and, and politically. And I just could not figure out why I was so angry. And then I redefined it and went, it's righteous anger. It's standing up yes. for what's right and being bold enough because there's people out there that aren't going to stand up, that aren't going to be bold, but they want their freedoms fought for. And I'm, and I want to thank you, of course, Bud, for your service for however many years of service you gave us in, in the military. Um, years. <laughs> I, I don't, I don't have a background in that. My dad actually was in the Tet Offensive in Vietnam, mm -hmm. but um, that's the only experience I have with, you know, hearing and seeing. So I appreciate your service. Thank and, you. Uh, you know, when we look at, you know, fighting for our freedoms, like you said, this may not be a civil war in the sense of, you know, taking up arms yet, <laughs> But yeah. it's, it's, it's an information war. And uh, Meckler tells us a, a lot about that. So I'm trying to vent my righteous anger in the right way. And I remember um, a little bit of my background, too, is I remember being a nice Christian and, you know, being nice and kind and, and, and you know, not bursting the bubbles and not, you know, moving the waters. But it's it's time to change that. And that's one thing we we reviewed at our uh, company retreat. And uh, Mark's been talking about a lot is. And one of the things that I that I it changed my mind on after January 6th, too, is I'm tired of being nice. I'm done being yeah. nice. I will continue to be kind, but I'm done being nice. And my social media completely changed after January 6th, actually, actually after, after after the whole month of January. I was ticked off and I did not do a lot of political posting sure. and, um, and I'll, I'll be honest, I'm anti-mask and I will go to my grave being anti-mask and I will admit sure. it. And so I got heavy into those kind of posts right. and freedom. I, freedom. And I took, yeah. And I ticked off a lot of people and, but I also learned who were some amazing patriots that sure. came alongside and, you know, I, I found new friends on my social media and I really uh, flushed out the junk and uh, now moving forward with, um, you know, more people to uh, not partner with, but basically, you know, kind of rub United. shoulders, you know, iron sharpen, yeah. yeah, iron sharpen iron. And yes. uh, so that's, that's what came about from uh, January 6th uh, from me. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Now I, 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 the whole time you're talking about, there's so many different things that are coming through this this old gunny's mind, I'm thinking about, here's the number one thing with January 6th that I didn't expect. It was a big hug fest. Mm. There were so many people that I didn't even know. And like you're talking about from all eth ethnicities, backgrounds, different states, 
everything. And you just, you had this big hug, just big, you know, welcoming each other, you know, and thankful that we're, we're always, we were thanking everybody for being here. Thank you for, you know, coming and, and making, making it what it is. But the other part of what you were talking about, which is important, and a lot of Christians have a hard time with this when you're talking about loving someone, right? Even Jesus Christ did this more than once, especially with the Pharisees and the Sadducees in, in Jewish times. He scolded the crap out of them. But the reason he did that is not because he hated them. It's really because he loved them. He tried to show them where their darkness was. And that's what we have failed. And this is where I carry on what you're talking about. As Christians, we have failed to stand up for righteousness and not tolerate evil. We've been geared to fit into the culture and the what I call the, you know, the self-mean me culture, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about me. So we feel that, well, we can't, you know, say something that's going to cause them to be triggered or, you know, disappoint them or, you know, no, you got to always speak the truth always. And that's what I learned. In, it's a big part of what I learned in January 6 was these people spoke the truth. And when they were talking about all the issues, as we were gathered and listening to the speakers and Donald Trump and all that, this is what we were doing. We're going, that's right. This is the truth. You know, you know, and people would start talking to you about, yep, this has got to stop. That's got to stop. And it, it's, it's not an idea of, I hate you. It's the idea that, wait a minute. Have you ever thought about that? There really is evil. There are people that have evil ways and evil minds, and they don't have a direction. They don't have a way to get out of that thought process of where everything is about the world. And that's the frustration. I had the exact same anger that you did. I guarantee you, you see this, right? <laughs> that thing in a heartbeat and just went to town. I'm not, I'm not being facetious here. What I'm saying is my anger was so intense because of what the media did. And they're looking at us like this, just deplorable, bad people. And I'm going, no, we're not. It's exact opposite. We're, it's, it's you that is causing the anger within us because you don't care about us. You only care about the little bubble and the world that you live in. We do not think that way. Conservatives don't think that way. I, I hate to say it, but I love all of those people up there. They're just lost. And because they're lost, it puts the anger on us because we just can't reach them. We can't get them to understand how valuable our country is. COS is a way for us to do that. It's a way to help us to reach out, bring people into the organization, even the ones that are on the left, even people that never thought about this way are coming into COS. I've seen it with my own eyes when I was a state director. We had a Democrat, one Democrat, but at least it was a Democrat in Arkansas that actually voted for COS. And to leave, leave this, this whole point with you, the reason he did it after I talked to him, which is really interesting, I went up to him and I says, okay, you're the only Democrat that voted. I, I got to know why. I mean, what is the big deal? 
And he says, well, I'm a dentist. And a lot of my patients would come into the dentist's office and talk to me about COS. And I figured, well, if I don't vote right, I'm going to lose a whole bunch of patients. <laughs> so <laughs> that is an amazing story, but it's the truth. This, this man said, wait a minute, maybe, and he, he's a Christian man. He, he was a Christian man, but he's just been a Democrat all his life. And he finally heard the truth about what's going on. And he said, yep, you know what? I got to stand up for, for the values of, of being a Christian and, and doing that. So awesome. it's, it's amazing what January 6th did to, to both of us. So we don't have much time and I want, I want to continue on. And what I would like to do is now that you're wholesome into the national, in other words, you're, you're finally understanding how the, the big picture works. How can we progress as COS? What, what, what can we do to bring more people in? How do we get people engaged? Other than, I mean, we got social media, we got those other things. Are there anything else, any other ways that we can tell people, look, you got to check this out. You got to understand what's happening in, in, in the government. And how, how, do we, how do we solve that? How do we make people not make, but encourage people to go to Convention of States and encourage them to be part of this massive freedom movement. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't think I have anything, you know, new and epiphanal, <laughs> if that's a word. Okay. But it's it's exciting to see the people on your team, the the technology crew that are what millennials and Gen Zers that yeah. are coming up that that are. I don't want to say it weird, but, you know, raw and unadulterated, you know, they are conservative young people that have a passion for saving their, saving their country, but also saving their, um, their peers. And they have a, an understanding of technology way more than I can even fathom. I mean, Garrett, uh, that you interviewed yesterday, you know, is doing video and we've got, you know, a handful of other people doing uh, the social media and connecting with, um, you know, other major players in, in the media realm. And that's exciting to see because I don't have those connections. I'm kind of a, a belly to belly kind of person. And I'd hate to say old fashioned, but, you know, I'm a generation um, a, older than they are. And it's just fun to see their excitement, their enthusiasm and their work ethic to uh, put out, create memes. That's the running joke in the national team is creating these funny memes uh, inside, but also for the outside as well. And, you know, technology is the way of the future. And it's, it's almost like a split though, because I talk to a lot of retirees because many of the people who have built their businesses, worked along and have built their wealth are now able to give back to us. And they still communicate on um, a paper and a phone call basis. Absolutely. Which is great because that's how I communicate. I like, you know, writing letters, handwriting things to them. And I like making phone calls. And then the emails is more for uh, the working uh, corporate people. And they're almost harder to reach. They've got all the connections, you know, I've <laughs> yeah. got their phone numbers and whatnot, but it's hard to reach them because they're so busy. And then there's the younger generation who can't give as much, 
but they are willing to, you know, set themselves up on a monthly, you know, donation basis and they stay connected on our, our Facebook, Instagram. Uh, I'm assuming we're still on Twitter. (laughs) (laughs) Today. Yeah, today. And then, um, you know, t- texting and, and the videos that are being sent out. So it's, it's really a, you know, a multi-tiered uh, way we look at things with generations when, you know, when I was growing up, it was just, or, you know, jumping into college, it was just like, okay, here's the young people, here's the old people. And there was just like kind of a split, but now we work on, you know, all these different platforms mm-hmm. and it's, it's important yet challenging. I mean, it's hard to manage all those platforms, but it's important to have them all going so that, uh, you know, everyone is reached and everyone has, you know, a connecting point. So we're, we're both parents. Mm-hmm. My, my children are in their mid thirties and I have, five, soon to be six grandchildren. And I've had these conversations with my, my children multiple times. My son is a lot more conservative than my daughter is. And what I found out to be able to talk to the, these generations as, as we're talking about is what, what we need to do is comfort and ask questions at the same time. So I asked my daughter, I says, so do you, what in your mind do you feel that the country is going? Where where is it going? And she says, it's just all messed up. And I'm going, you're, you're using a adjective to describe things, but you have no meat behind the adjective. So you're saying it's all screwed up. Why? What, what are the, what are the reasons? that the country is the way it is. And a lot of them, and especially my daughter's like, well, because, you know, the, the politicians on the, on the, the right wing politicians, you know, they don't, they don't want to, you know, come into the real world and be part of the real things that are involved and, you know, all those kind of things. And I told my daughter, I says, I don't think that's what the issue is. What the issue is, is you don't want to research what is happening in our country. And because you don't want to research it, you want to stay in your little bubble. And as long as you're comfortable in that little corporate world where you live at, then you're satisfied that anything can happen outside. It just can't come inside. What happens when it does come inside? What happens when they start coming after you? Because you don't fit the mold that these people are talking about. That's what I think an important way that we uh, in COS and especially as leaders can work with our volunteers, our supporters and the state leaders out there to help them to understand you got to have the love and the care and you got to ask them what they feel. You can't assume that they're thinking like this or feeling like this. So is is that kind of a, a sense that you feel when you were out there? Is, is it a better way for us to connect other than just going, you know, handing out pamphlets or, you know, read this book or go to, you know, conventionofstates.com? Like you're saying, I still think the face-to-face and the talks that we have is, is the best way to get people to really see that there's options. There's ways uh, to be able to do that. So. 
I, I relate in the fact that I used to live in a bubble. Well, I still kind of live in a bubble. <laughs> South <laughs> yeah, South RV Dakota, bubble, right? <laughs> yeah. Well, a South Dakota is in its little bubble. And we used to live on 40 acres when we were homeschooling. And, you know, those were during the Obama years. And I don't watch TV. I still don't watch TV to this day. And so I was off in my own little bubble and everything was just fine, except for the high ga gas prices. And... I, I get it that, you know, we just, and I totally did want to withdraw. And this whole past six months, I wanted to withdraw into my bubble. I did mm -hmm. not want to face what was coming, what was going on. But I knew, you know, since we chose to go to DC, we are choosing to stand for freedom, that I have to face the yuck that's out there, the evil that has been growing and brewing in this country for as long as I've been alive. And it's sickening and it's frustrating. But the more of us that stand and talk to each other, like you said, ask questions, the, the better we are. I remember talking to a donor from New Jersey who is a grassroots. Uh, so we, we've got a handful of those. We probably have more than a handful of those that are volunteering and giving of their finances. And I, you know, I doubly thank them because they are blessing us uh, in more than uh, more than ways that I you know, originally started. But, you know, her frustration was when uh, people would come up to a booth or whatever and uh, ask those hard questions of, you know, prove this or prove this or prove this. And I would remind her that it's not our job to prove it. It's already been written. Uh, Rob Nadelson, you know, has the studies yes. and everything. And, and she says, people just don't have the time to research. And I said, I'm the first to admit, I'm lazy. I don't want to do the research, just like your daughter. I, it's, it's, time consuming and I just want it spoon fed to me. And that's what we've had right. all these years is the news and the media just spoon feeding us. And now look where it's gotten us. We're just standing here going, what's the truth? And we've got to dig for the truth and, you know, find those media sources. So we've got to bring the truth to people. Um, so, you know, asking questions is a great way. I, that would be a great session is to actually do some role playing on what questions to ask on nice. how to get people engaged. Um, I'm even preparing to uh, volunteer for our regional fair here and uh, be a grassroots activist. And I'm thinking of the questions. And my first question is, are you sick of the federal government? You know, are, are you sick of being trampled on and walked on by our federal government? And, you know, no matter where we are, there's you know, little bubbles, there's little pods that we don't think is affecting us. But what's coming down from even our states, but, you know, higher up, of course, but where we can control even what's coming down from our states is annoying. We've seen that all in 2020 um, on how tyrannical the states have been and the leaders have been. And we've got to be able to encourage the masses to question everything that comes down from every office. Oh, absolutely. And the, the fact that we have gone so long, started in 2013, and I'm convinced if this organization and what we do is not the truth and not the right direction, the powers of this world would have destroyed us. They could have, and they could. Now, they will be coming after us, and we understand that. But I believe that the truth of what we believe in as a country, as citizens, and our Bible, and our Lord, and our God, 
is what gives us the foundation to be able to stand up to this evil. So I've got one more question I want to ask. If you had the opportunity to just tell people and talk to people what your passion is about America, what you feel, how would you describe that to an individual and why, why does that make a difference when you tell people how passionate you are? As like I said, I, I was a Marine for 20 years and you're talking about people like us veterans, you talking about some anger. We have some tremendous anger because they're destroying everything that all the Patriots, all the leaders in the Marine Corps and the services taught me from World War One to World War Two to Korea to Vietnam, that these people give their lives. So when I tell them and I talk to them about it, I basically tell them the reason I'm the way I am is because America is absolutely the light of the world, period. If America falls, the world will fall right behind it. I had a director in one of my businesses uh, tell us in some leadership training, God can't bless a parked car. God can't bless (laughs) a parked car. We have, we have a hope in God and he, he has our back. However, we have to get up off of our butts and Mm -hmm. do something about it. What we can do. I asked on my Facebook page, oh, a few weeks ago, and I said, how many else, how many other friends were diagnosed or given the label as a child, as a strong-willed child? And there was a handful (laughs) of them. And my point of the post was, we were created for such a time as this. And I have, (laughs) I go back to stop telling me what to do. And tell me I can't do something and I'll prove to you that I can. And it's just frustrating to see these, you know, roadblocks. And those of us that were or are strong-willed people are the ones that are going to move it forward and push back and have the courage and the confidence to be able to um, speak out and and show others that that we're willing to do it and gather those and they, and they'll you know develop that courage and confidence little by little so we've got to become a car that moves forward so god can bless that's awesome i've never heard it that way i think that's one of the the best stories i ever heard i you and i i think we could we could speak for days and just have a great time she Deanna is just a powerhouse. She's so wonderful. Her love and her strength is, is just something that just, just comes into our hearts and our minds. You motivate me just because you're there. And that's just amazing. <laughs> when we met at the airport for the first time, I was like, wow, this lady is all that and a bunch of everything. You know, <laughs> Liberty just spews out of you. It's just amazing. And I'm Defiance. so thankful. It is. <laughs> Defiance, exactly. And, you know, we're so thankful that you're that you came on the podcast for us. And I hope and pray that our fellow podcast listeners will share this because we can talk about it together. 
and we can have our time where we're listening to the podcast. But if we don't spend the time to at least take our phone out and press the little buttons and share the podcast, how can other great people in this Patriot world that we live in have hope? How can they not hear what we're doing as an organization and as individuals, as great Patriots? So I'll thank you so much for joining the podcast. And I hope you have an absolutely wonderful day. And I guarantee you, you're not going to get away from me. You're going to come back to this podcast and we're going to have much more discussions on our freedoms, liberties, or just whatever, you know, suits your heart and give you the ability to talk to these great patriots that are following this old crusty gunny. So thank you again and uh, have a wonderful day and I will get in touch with you soon. Another great leader and patriot of the Convention of States, Deanna Beckett, is amazing. She's a fireball for freedom. Love her to death. She is doing amazing for this organization. And what's even more important, she's doing amazing for you. She is standing up for the Constitution of the United States and trying to rein in this tyranny government that we have. This week is Convention of States Week, and tomorrow is a big day. Yes, tomorrow Mark Meckler will be here on the Patriot Cause. He is the Chief Executive Officer. He is the brain behind the movement, the absolute master Patriot of America, I put him in the same league, in the same seats that we had in 1776 with the founders of this country. Mark Meckler is ingrained with the blood, sweat, and tears of Americans. And he has produced a great organization and bringing a grassroots to save our country. And he will be on this podcast tomorrow you're not going to want to miss this with mark meckler again stand up show up and speak up this is the gunny out